listening to the Money Monopolizers Podcast, helping you take control of your financial destiny. It's about time that we invest more in our financial literacy and work towards building generational wealth. If you think you're ready to do the same, then you've come to the right place. Alex, Marlon, y'all ready? Let's get this bread. What's good, everybody? It's Alex Kamui here. We are back with the Money Monopolizers podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, Marlon Walls. Marlon, how you doing today? I'm doing all right, bro. Um, I really ain't got much going on, to be honest, though. Um, I'm still looking for this house. I'm really getting tired of that. I ain't gonna lie. Like, the patience is starting to run thin a little bit because I know we're starting to get into the summer months, and it's like I'm just really ready to see something at this point because I want to get that, have that asset in place to where I'm able to re- rent it out, but more so than just like um, living there for this first for the first year. I really want to ha- have that, have assets going in place. Um, because on top of just like what we're doing with the rental car stuff, just want to start building wealth through real estate. And that's one thing that I feel like is like my missing piece to be able to continue moving forward with everything else. Like, I feel like once I do that, everything else is just going to it's just like something psychological too, more than anything else. It's not even like it's, nothing's hindering me. I just really want to have that house in place. So that's one thing that's been on my mind a little bit. But I know that when it comes, it comes. It's on God's time, not mine. So I'm really just waiting. You want to get an apartment? I'm definitely not getting an apartment. I thought you were finna say you you want to do a do like the um the old school house act that I did where yeah. live in one bedroom. No, nah, like, I was gonna nah. go to that next. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I'm not doing that one again. Like I can't I can't do it in the circumstance that I'm in over here. So I'd rather just continue waiting it out. And um, speaking of which, though, our guest had mentioned that she was li- living out of her um suitcase, and I was I looked down at mine. I'm like, yeah, same here. If I can, if y'all can see it. <laughs> I've been living out this suitcase for 10 months now and I refuse to unpack because I'm just not going to get comfortable. Just like she was talking about, you have to be willing to live uncomfortably in order to continue. People don't, to... probably don't even know where you would like your situation. Though. So they hear you living in a suitcase and they're like, damn, is he homeless? True that. <laughs> I guess, yeah, for anybody who's listening as new, when I moved back from Purdue, uh, from Indiana um, last July, I came back into um, living with my parents, mainly because I was looking for a house hack. My goal is to really be here for like a month. And it's turned into nine to 10 months now because of the fact that I can't find anything. Uh, real estate really slowed down as far as in the back house. So I'm looking for a um, house hack where it's going to be like a, either a back house or like a duplex, triplex, quadplex. And I haven't been able to find one that's in a reasonable price range to where I'm able to cash flow from it. Yeah. And the ones that do come up, they get bid in like the first two, like the first two hours, and they're usually like over bid by like ten thousand. So it's a pretty crazy market for it right now. And yeah, I'm just like really playing a waiting game. Houston is a really, really tough market because it's super overpriced right now, like it's ridiculously overpriced for anything, especially if you want a multifamily. Good luck. Um, you're not buying for cash flow for sure. It's definitely. For, you know, at this point, that's killing me to think that to say that to myself that I'm just haven't got that through my head yet. And it's crazy because this it's almost turning into like a whole coastal thing because you know, on the coast, mm-hmm. west coast, east coast, that's you usually buy there for appreciation. In the Midwest, you buy for in the Midwest and the south, <laughs> you used to be able to buy for cash flow in right. the south three years ago. Um, but now it's everything's becoming appreciation except in because now everyone's trying to move south. Everybody's bro. Do you know how many people are coming to Houston? Do you know how many people are coming to Texas? Do you know how many people are going to Miami? Especially with remote work, people are like, oh, I don't have to live in freaking North Dakota anymore. We're going down <laughs> south. That's so a that's that's killing the market right now. Like people are coming down here, and y'all stop coming to Texas. <laughs> Therefore, people love Texas. No, 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 no. <laughs> this they just like, it was like a slap in the face because this is the first time where I saw a house come on the market for three fifty. And it was like people were like screaming for it. This is like the the general back house one came on for three fifty, and people were like, oh, "It was gone in a day." Yeah. I'm like, "If that's gone in a day, if something comes up for two seven, they may offer fifty thousand over asking." Yeah, and they they put in cash over. Yes, like you can't yeah, it, right. And then the thing is, even if you like these prices, they're not even going to appraise for these amounts. No, more because they bring in the cash. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, it's getting it's very tough to compete. So yeah. I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen with that, but I just know that my plan is already uh, is planned out and I'm just following one step after another right now. So kind of yeah. just walking in faith on that. And to me, so 
so there's a bunch of things that's really like contributing to this because it's kind of crazy and i don't see it really calming down soon ever since covid began to me it that was the beginning like that was the beginning of it so right now we're still i see it as we're in the early phase obviously it's like with covid you know the government started printing money like that was just you know what all they started doing so they lower interest rates when you lower interest rates everyone like oh money's cheap i can afford more house that drives up prices right people coming down south that's driving up prices um all the money that's in circulation people have money to spend that's driving up prices and it's just like i mean you got to really sit back and right now it's not even a great time to be personally i think it's not a great time to be buying um how should i say this <laughs> cuz i'm not going to say it's not a great time to buy real estate but i think yeah. it's just it, 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 it's you got to be very careful you're not buying for cash flow right now and that's the bad thing you when you when if you are analyzing like this is real estate 101 at least how we buy real estate if, if it's not cash flowing from day 1 <clears throat> exactly why you why why what, what what are you doing like what are you what are you doing are you do you, <laughs> you're buying a liability so at that point it's like and nothing is very few things cash flow right now. You got to be very, very creative to cash flow today. No, that's, that's no doubt about it. So like just the conventional method of just using a realtor and just trying to buy it that way. I think that's also uh, playing a large factor into why it's so, so difficult because maybe I can go to a wholesaler and um, have them. Um, well, it's, it's look at the leads that they're sending. They'll probably be at a more of a discount, may need a little bit more work. Those will probably be more of the ones that I could go, could go about. My whole thing is with this realtor at this point, I'm like, bro, for, for one, we've known him since junior high. And I was like, yeah, I really want to like help him out at this point because it's been 10 months. But if it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. so I'll be like, man, if you uh, pull up to him like a couple of days later and be like, oh, yeah, I found something over here. He's he going to look at me so so sideways like, hey, man. you just had me walk through 10 months. It's just business. <laughs> it's just business. Look, it's no hard feelings. We can still kick it. Mm-hmm. But. I I I gotta do some dick. I don't know how you could. I couldn't imagine buying on an MLS right now. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's crazy. Real estate is so crazy, right? It's so crazy. So you know, but I'm not saying that to discourage anybody from getting it. Obviously, you know, there's deals out there. You just got to be really creative making deals. But it's kind of a good, you know, segue into what we uh, talked about today with our guests in terms of uh, the episode we had. So we had Precious Price on here and uh, she had reached out to us to be on the podcast. And, um, you know, it was we had a super dope conversation about really, in essence, I mean, we talked about tiny homes and how you can get into tiny homes and how she got into a tiny home and she used that Airbnb to, she, or she bought a property and put a tiny home in the back and then Airbnb it and it's like cash flowing like crazy. And uh, it to me, it kind of just became like a great house hacking episode in terms of like how, uh, another creative way to get into real estate in general and a creative way to get into house hacking. Cause you know, a lot of people come to me and like, Hey, I want a house. hack." I'm like, cool. Buy a single family house, rent out the bedrooms, do that. They're like, nah, I don't want to have roommates. Okay, cool. Buy a duplex or quadplex. Do that. They're like, nah, I don't really want to have someone on an, on another wall next to me. I'm like, you know, you're renting an apartment. No problem. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool do this now this is the next thing <laughs> so it's like if you tell me you don't want to do this i look stop. you don't want you don't want uh money at that yeah, point yeah there's nothing i can do like this is literally what you call luxury house hacking and so um that's essentially what we talked about today in terms of like you know because one thing a lot of people don't realize is that you can actually put a property or a structure behind another property um if you you know if it obviously zoning and you know all those kind of things go into it so we kind of talk about that in the episode as well but that is an option that a lot of people aren't aware of especially those people that are in those coastal cities that are more expensive um and you want a house hack but you don't want to necessarily have roommates then you can you know buy a property and put a tiny house in the back shipping container house in the back you know all those different kind of things that we talked about today and uh she's she's doing that and she's uh you know she just got really got into it a couple of years ago and she's really um you know her first one went really well and that's what we kind of talked about today so it was a unique episode but i think it was a ton of value in here for a lot of people that are looking to really get into real estate creatively because like i said today you this is like minimum to get into real estate and cash flow like this is the minimum you have to do now there's like i said no none of that conventional you know let me go with a, a realtor and go on an mls and try to buy a rental property good luck yeah you <laughs> Putting a hundred k over asking cash, so unless you can do that, 
you got to do something more creative. And that's essentially what this episode was. Yeah, and I, I liked her story a lot because she was always a visionary and always just trying to think creatively about how to get out of her situation or, or especially what she saw growing up. And I think that really helped play a factor into like her uh, going throughout this entire method because she talked about how much space she had in her backyard, talked about like how she saw opportunity where her mother may have saw otherwise. Like all of that really um, just show what her mindset was like. And just to have that mindset at a young age, that really is like for one, inspiring for a lot of people who are listening that is her age. And then also same thing for people that are older, like our older audience, they can see that and be like, well, if, they, if she can do that, I know I can too. Like I think this really goes to show that for one, you don't even have to have done it a whole bunch of times. Like you don't have to have a thousand of these units, but by you doing it once, that really can be the inspiration or that can be the credibility that you need in order to inspire others to do it or teach others how to do it as well. So yeah. I like, I just like her, her, that whole dynamic of her story. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, as long as you are one step ahead of someone else, then you are able to teach them. Um, and so just based on even your failures and your lessons, you already are have more experience than the person that's behind you. So yeah, let's get into it. How's it going, Precious? Good, how are you, Marlon? Alex, what's going on? No, we're doing good. We're feeling pretty good over here. So um, one thing that I, we always ask all of our guests, especially just to get started out with, is like, what was your background growing up when it came like to money, to finances, to what you saw your parents doing? Like, what, what, what were you seeing growing up? And like, what, what type of things influenced you to be able to have that knowledge of where you are today? Because I know just from reading your email that you are the same age as we are. Yeah, so I am 25 years old. I do not mind sharing. That may change in about three years. But right now, I don't mind sharing. I'm 25. <laughs> So I'm proud of that. I'm 25 um, and I am, I'm currently based out of Atlanta, Georgia, and I am originally, originally I was based or I am, I'm from Chicago, Illinois, so I'm from the South Side. Um, and I like to make that clear because I feel like that very much um, shaped just everything that I'm doing now. Um, your listeners are likely similar to me, right? I am first generation everything, everything. High school graduate, college graduate, getting my master's, starting a business, um, and then even furthermore, like getting out of like my like getting out of Chicago in general. Um, because even if you're you even if you are a first generation, whatever you know that people like to stay where they at. They like to stay complacent. And I knew, bruh, from a very 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 young age. I'm like, I can't do it. I would go over my cousin's house. I'm like, y'all living like this. Like, <laughs> I'm like that that was the differentiating factor for me um so my parents had me when they were teens my mother was 15 when she had me my mom is 41 years old that's it yeah we sisters right now yeah they, people probably, probably mistake y'all for sisters now yeah people mistake us for sisters absolutely so it's just like i i nearly grew up with my parents and even my parents their background similar to mine, but you just got to think about it maybe 10 times rougher because they were really in Chicago. Like they were the ones who started to kind of try to get us away from the city, move outside to the suburbs, create a better life for us. But with them, they've been getting it out the mud a while, right? Like it's been like, I'm 25. They've been getting it out the mud for 25 years. I feel like a lot of what molded me, like how hard I work, number one, but then number two, like why I really realized that even though I work very hard now and I can do this, the ability, the capability, the will to do it, I can't do this shit for the rest of my life. Because I saw my grandfather do it and it killed him. Literally, like you working, you taking care of kids, and then you're not even happy in your household because you're bringing back the negative energy from work and all of that here. Um, but for me, like I said, I just knew from a young age when I started to how my older cousins, my older aunts were living, I knew that I wanted more. Like most of them have never been outside of the city limits of Chicago. I am, I have to disclose to you, like I slightly do definitely believe in Zodiacs. I am a Pisces. Um, so <laughs> oh, I'm a <man>. dreamer. <laughs> I'm a dreamer. Um, I, 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 I think I'm very like creative. Like I think with my imagination, I have literally like, Sometimes I might live in a fantasy world, but that fantasy world when I was younger is helped me to begin to visualize and see what I wanted to be. Because I'm a firm believer that you cannot be what you do not see. Mm -hmm. And even though I wasn't able to see that within my surroundings, so I was able to see that via movies, via just imagining 
like honestly reading books. I read a lot. And that's when I realized like there's something more out here and I want a piece of it. And for me, when I was younger, um, my initial thought was, and my and what's ingrained into you when you're younger as well is education's gonna get me there. I need to go to school. I need to do well in school. So I was always like a straight A student. I did really well in school. I graduated high school in three years. I went straight to Indiana University. Um, then got my went went into the business school. Got my marketing degree um, and marketing and technology management. Immediately went to get my MSIS degree, and then I came to Atlanta. And I came to Atlanta and I'm like, okay, this is nice because there are so many people who look like, like I'm now oh, seeking yeah. what I want to be. You see what I'm saying? Entrepreneur I'm now, hub over there. Yes. And that's really what, what changed the game. How, how did you transition that into, you know, where you are now? Because obviously you went the nine to five cor mm -hmm. corporate America route. So can you kind of talk about how you got into that? Absolutely. So my mom, she told me, she's like, you do not need to go down there paying that high ass rent. I didn't listen. <laughs> I still went and paid that high ass rent, but <laughs> I didn't do it for too long at all. Um, I ended up getting out of that fairly quickly. So I would say what, I guess what created that opportunity or at least planted the seed in my head was I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, so back when I was in middle school, junior high, I told you my mama was doing hair um, or she, she's been doing hair all my life. So I learned fairly early how to do hair. I was doing hair um, in middle school, junior high. I was charging. I was doing like braids. I started doing sew-ins when sew-ins started popping. So then when I got to Atlanta, it turned into I have the nine to five and the nine to five is stressing me the hell out. So I know I cannot do this forever. <laughs> About a year into my career, I then bought my first house here in Atlanta. Um, so I bought it. And I didn't buy it as like, a oh, this is like my house, my house. I said, I am buying this house and it is a property that I am going to use as an investment vehicle. This is not mine and I will not get attached to it because I think that's most people's downfall initially, especially when you're buying your first house. It's like, it's so much money that you really want to, that's your baby, but it's not. It's a money making vehicle. So I purchased that first house because, um, number one, I started Airbnb. I dipped into Airbnb on a whim. Um, I dipped into it. Super Bowl came to Atlanta February 2019. Um, Y'all may or may not remember. Super Bowl came to Atlanta February 2019. Um, and that is when I dipped into Airbnb. I had a one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment out in Lindbergh. It's like right between Buckhead and Midtown, right on the edge of both. It was a perfect location right in the city. Um, I made like $2,000 that weekend. Wow. It was crazy. It was crazy. And at from that point, I went and I slept at my parents, not my parents, my friends' couches. Like I was couch surfing. And I airbnb that spot out until I could no more because the apartment complex caught wind of it. So then they caught wind. And that's when I said, all right, um... I'm gonna give me a house um, and not an apartment because I know a lot of people like they get into Airbnb via an apartment as well and like totally an option. I do that route as well, but I wanted a house because I knew a house is going to give me more space, which means more income, like more capital, more earnings coming in because I could charge. Like if you got, if I hold six people and you bring an eight, I'm charging fifty dollars extra for each of those people. And it was just a way for me to make more, and even furthermore like start building my own net worth because it's a house. Like it's now an asset that I own um, or I can turn it into an asset. Right now it's a liability, turn it into an asset. So that's really how like, I guess it culminated. And I pretty much like from the one bedroom, one bathroom apartment, I use those earnings. Like I was saving. I told you I was sleeping on my friend's couches. I was saving in February, 2019, um, yes, February 2019 is when Super Bowl came. Like I said, I was Airbnb for a couple months. They stopped it. They cut it off. I started looking for a house. I closed on my house October of 2019. So I used the money that I was making from Airbnb in my apartment as a down payment for my house. And then from there, when I got the house and that start, I put that up. I got that listed by, I believe, like December 2019. Once a couple, you know, small renovations were made. I got everything furnished, got that up and running. And then at that point, the earnings that I started to see from that, I then turned into, turned around, May, not May 2020, March 2020, coronavirus happened. Um, everybody was at home. I was back in my house because I was no longer traveling for work. 
Um, so typically my nine to five is me like going Monday morning, I fly out to a different city, come back, that type of thing. And that was a really good way for me to number one, like rent my space without getting another expense to live somewhere else. Like my job was paying for me to stay during the week in a hotel. And then even furthermore, they would pay to fly me back to my parents or just back home. And I would stay on the couch or I'm going to just take a vacation and be real cheap. I'm going to go stay at my friends out in, I don't know, Indianapolis, out in Chicago. And that's what I was doing. So then once coronavirus hit and I was back in that house that I said, this is an investment property. I'm using it. This is not my house. And I was sitting back in it, paying that mortgage myself because they canceled all the reservations. Um, I then said, you know what? Yard is big as hell. Um, if you've seen the docuseries at all, um, you know that like you'll see it. Like the backyard is huge. It could fit three of those tiny houses back there, honestly. Um, but I put one back there. When I built that, it was actually supposed to be for me. And I was gonna then continue to rent out the main house. And once we actually got into the build, everything went wrong. We went over budget. I two sets of contractors. I'm crying in the tiny house. Everything is just hitting the fan. I said, you know what? No, I need to rent this out because I'm down too much money now. Like, I need to get my money back. So that's when I then said, you know what? I'm going to rent this house out and I'm going to rent the main house out. And I got the other house and I'm going to get somewhere else to stay for fairly cheap. And then at that point, like, that's it. I'm making my money back. And that was the goal. That is the goal. No, I'm, I'm glad you started segueing into the tiny house theme because, well, for one, we, we haven't been able to see the docuseries. So I, was, I really want to go see it now just to see like the whole process and how it worked. But no, what you end up doing was pretty much another version of house hacking that we that we talk about on the podcast. And um, that's actually a creative way of going about it because I never thought about buying a house and then just building up the the back house in the, on the, in the back of the um, of the main house, especially if you have a big backyard that could really work. And uh, I, of course, a lot, a lot of our listeners wouldn't even know about that either. So um, I kind of really want to figure out where'd you get that idea from? Like, I guess you just had you're just like that visionary that just saw opportunity when you saw a lot of space in the backyard. Typically, we think about guest houses. You think you like you might think towards like Fresh Prince of Bel Air, right? Like the older sister staying in the pool house. You know, you got to be rich to have a guest house. No, you got to land in for for the most. There are a lot of black folks with land in the South. Um, so once the land is there, it's like, okay, this is a lot of space. And initially, I tell people, I was like, initially, my mama be trying to come with all the ideas because she be wanting like, hold my life to, it, it's crazy. Nonetheless, she wanted me to put an in-ground pool in the back. An in-ground pool is not going to bring me no money right? Um, whatsoever. So that is when it was just like, a, I need to play. I'm going to place a house back there. Like, again, the, the space was so big that that's really one of the first things that came to my mind was I'm going to put a house back there because it's just that big. Like the space is that big. Um, so then at that point, I mean, I just got started. I started researching. Um, I designed a house like myself. I designed it myself. Um, I've chosen everything that it is, like where the walls, like where the countertop is, where the bathroom is. Like I drew it all out. Um, and if you actually go on the Airbnb Money Instagram, I have pictures of like the initial sketch just in my head. And then like when it turned into, okay, I actually went to like an architect, I don't know, an architectural website or something, started building it out to scale. And then when I actually designed it, like with the shed company, to where they created the shed and then actually me actually creating what the inside looks like. Definitely just that, that visionary type of mindset of person where you just see opportunity. You utilize that creativity towards something that'll make you money instead of something that loses you money. You're it's like but it is nice time in a fair comparison. Like you you have just an infinite realm of growth that we can that we can go through if we just use that creativity for the right thing. This was a you mentioned this a little while ago, but you had kind of, you know, turned your your first property you looked at it as or I guess the apartment, number one, the first apartment, um, you looked at it as how, you know, how can you turn it into an asset, right? I like to talk about the concept of profitability versus comfortability um, in terms of, you know, your housing and where people want to live. Um, and so one thing that, you know, most people, like I said, their first house, they want to get the biggest house they can possibly get. Um, the bank approves you for 500, they go and buy a house for 498. So it's just, yeah. you know, that's just the mentality of most people, right? And you're trying to get your dream house at 
you know, 23 years old, which is like ridiculous to me. But would you like? <laughs> yeah. So 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 when you so that first property is going to have a huge um, impact on the trajectory of your financial future, right. um, just based on how you kind of approach that. If you you know buy a liability, which is the 3,000 square foot house for you know two people or one person, and you know you're not gonna do well. That's like the death of the middle class dreams, pretty much. That and going out and buying a car as soon as you graduate. Um, <laughs> and so when it comes to like what you did though with the with the property, I love it because like I was saying, that whole concept of comfortability versus profitability, right? So there is, because for me, one thing about me is like, I I have self-awareness to know that I'm not necessarily the type of person that likes to live with other people. And I'm, you know, I like being on my own. I don't like, even in college, I hated having roommates. I was just, nah, I just wasn't rocking with that. And so as <laughs> soon as I could get out, I got out. And so I went and, you know, graduated. I got the nicest place I could get, right? So on the on the scale, on the, you know, spectrum of comfortability versus profitability, I was very comfortable, but I was not very profitable paying $1,200 a month, right? Yeah. But, you know, now once I buy, you know, my first property, because we bought our first, you know, properties uh, in August of, or summer of 2018, and it was a similar situation. Like it was the pro- it was the house with a garage apartment, right? And so now I still get to have my, you know, style of living where I get to live alone. But now I'm on that profitability side because now the main house is paying for the 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 um the my 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 living expense. And so I love what you did because it's a similar concept in the sense of like with that whole thing, you can. There's always extreme. There's extremes on both sides, right? So you can go buy the biggest house you can get, and you can also, you know buy a house and not all not only you know rent out all the bedrooms you convert the garage and then you live in a camper on the driveway right so it's like you can go you can go as extreme <laughs> you can you can go as extreme as you want to take it right and so uh, or you know i i remember uh one guy kirk Kirlov, he was talking about how he it's funny he was talking about how he was uh actually living in the living room and he put up a, a room divider and rented out the living room and all the bedrooms and he was cash flowing while he was living there like a thousand dollars a month i personally am not going that far but uh-huh. you know every situation is different so that's why it's a spectrum and so but i love what you did because what you essentially could do is like even you had the options right so you could live in the tiny home you could live in the main house whatever you want and you could pick where you want to be on that spectrum of comfortability versus profitability so if you decide you want to live in that back house you're gonna still be if if you customize it the way you like it right Uh it's still gonna be very comfortable for you right but at the same time you're still all you're also on the profitability side of that so that's why i absolutely love the whole concept of the tiny home thing because it's so creative and it allows you to really be flexible with you know your um own living style and also be able to get the best of both worlds so you can live for free if not very cheap so Kudos to you for that. I love it. What you spoke about with like the comfortability versus profitability and even furthermore, like the comfort piece. Like I say all the time, like that, that entire period, I, you got to understand for almost like two years, I was out of a suitcase. Like my stuff. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. Bro. <laughs> I'm serious. I was living out of a suitcase. Because when I, like, I bought that house, like I said, it was an investment vehicle. So, of course, I had to move all of my stuff out of the apartment. That stuff went straight into the closet. I locked the closets. Like, they don't get closet access at that house. Because my stuff is there. (laughs) Because my stuff is, like, I still have there. Like, even though I have an apartment now, like, I have my own space now. But I just got this in March. So, from, like... What was that? October 20, from October 2019, when I bought that house, like December, when I started renting it to March of 2021, I have been like, I have not had my own space. It's been, I've either been in hotels, living out of suitcases, and I'm sleeping on couches. And it's like, I go back home, I go in the closet, wash the clothes, switch the clothes out. And it's like, okay, cool. We back again and we moving. And then even from there, when I started the tiny house build, like when we were doing that, I was renting that. I was renting the main house out. I had another on the corner because I had acquired that one July 2019. And then at that, I again uncom- like comfortability, right? I then was like, you know what? Let me tell y'all some, a quick story background. Where I purchased my house, I'm in South Atlanta. 
Um, but my like my block is amazing because it's all older. I'm the youngest one, and then like my house is actually like the most, you know, like the best. So it's nice. But nonetheless, with comfortability, May 2019, no, May 2020, May 2020, um, when that because we started the tiny house, like build, like I started formulating and designing and researching like April, April 2020. So May is when I said, all right, um, coronavirus. Like, I, I don't care if the country's not done with it. I'm done with it. I'm putting my house back on Airbnb because I need some money. <laughs> so I started renting that out. And like you, Alex, I'm a person who is like, I do, like, I commend those who can do the house hacking thing of like having roommates and doing all that. And the roommates are paying the mortgage, but I just can't. Um, I like my own space. I like to take my pants off when I get home. It's a fact. You can't boy. do that. Boy, come on with it. <laughs> Man, hey, if it wasn't for the podcast, we'd always be walking around naked. Right. <laughs> Just all the time put on a shirt all throughout the day. That's a fact. For real, man, you want to put on a shirt. Like, no, like, but honestly, so May 2020, I then I started renting the house and I said, I need somewhere for me to stay because at this point, it's like, when you know, like, your friend's cool with it for a little bit, but then they like, they might see the money you making or it's like, all right, you didn't overstage your welcome. So I needed somewhere else to stay. Um, so I then, so my, so I have a neighbor, um, sweet woman. I love her. She's a Pisces too. Her birthday is the day before mine. We just smashed. Um, she lives in a house, got a three bedroom by herself. I said, you know what? Can I rent a room out in your house? $400 was my rent. I'm right next to my property. $400. That's it. And when you and, and again, talking about comfortability and profitability, right? Like initially I was about to go and get another apartment and that apartment in Atlanta, whatever, would have been at least at least a thousand bucks a month. Right. At least. So not even utilities. I said, you know what? I'm gonna chuck it up because this tiny house about to get finished. Like that's the piece, right? I said, May 2020, I'm like, I'm about to get started on tiny house build. The tiny house is for me. They said it shouldn't take longer than eight weeks. That's two months. Okay, let's see. From from ground up, let's see how long it's going to take. Damn! <laughs> Bruh, so I stayed there from May through January 2020. and eat, January 2021, excuse me. So May 2020 to January 2021. That's, the tiny house did not finish until March 2021. Wow. But when you want to talk about, like, profitability and comfortability, like, I know I am... Like for me, I try to place myself within discomfort because I know every time I place myself outside of my comfort zone, that's growth. And this particular neighbor I was staying with as well, like she's older. You, you've been in your grandma's house. Come on now. Like dark, thick curtains and big, big just shelves with plates. Like exactly. And I had a room and it's like even the room, like it didn't get a lot of light. It was just, it was hard. And I like for me, y'all, y'all see my place now. Like I need windows. I need to be able to write on a whiteboard. I'm like, I would. It was not good, but honestly, like I understand that sacrifices are required in order to get where you want to go. Because a lot of people that are trying to get into just house hacking in general, or even just you know how trying to eliminate their expense, they have so many ex- people give me the most ridiculous excuses, <laughs> and it's just it's just like, dude, look, I don't even care to help you if you're gonna keep giving me excuses like it's like i tell you like okay yo go you could go get a duplex and you can live on one side rent out the other side okay they don't want to do that cool that's fine now what she's saying you know this is a viable option for a lot of people in terms of it's 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 almost like luxury house hacking in a sense too because you know you you, like it's just you (laughs) what you did and the way you were able to go about it it was just so um unique and so really i mean i i really want to get into kind of how you were able to um it, down here in texas there it's very hard to get stuff like that kind of done i'm not sure you know in 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 atlanta but you know in san antonio and houston if you want to go build something on your own property it's going to take you months to just to go through the city with the zoning commission and all these kind of things so can you can is that was that a factor that went into kind of you know getting that whole thing because because i know that's Someone that's interested in doing this, that's something that they need to know in terms of like, you know, the whole the, the platting process or whatever, rezoning, all those kind of things, getting the land ready, all that kind of stuff. So can you talk more so about the, you know, land development aspect of that? 
Absolutely. Like just the prep for. So number one, um, it was good because my like my area is already zoned for like just residential in general. And then even furthermore, Atlanta is one of those cities to where the tiny house market started earlier than a lot of other cities. So there have been tiny houses and such here and they've been talking about it and work and works just like the city has started holding meetings and all of that town halls about it like since like 2016. So I was able to find a lot of information on the internet. Like Google was just my friend and then even furthermore, just like the state's website. But I absolutely had to go through um, that permitting process. And then even furthermore, just like you said, like planning and making sure the land is good for it. So when you're looking at that permitting process, um, it was, y'all, it was a headache. It was a total headache during COVID. And then even furthermore, like you got to understand these are like state workers and for the most part like y'all you you've been in the you've been in the state office to know state workers are older like everybody was now like this was newly working from home so it was so hard because it's like i'm not getting responses or like it's like i gotta call this person then they forward me to this person then it goes to this person but it was really just all a matter of like number one documentation and even then i have to be honest with you in the factor that i did not do it right by any means, I did not do it completely right. And if you, like I said, if you watch the docuseries, you will know I made a ton, a ton, a ton of mistakes. And specifically, I would say, like, my primary mistake was putting my trust in people who, like, their job is to look out for them, not me. With the tiny house, putting my trust in the contractors, like, okay, you're a contractor. Are you going to tell me and advise me what I need to do? like correctly are you doing business correctly and i found like that's why i went through three sets of contractors because i found out they were not doing things by the book at all that permanent process i went through the permanent process and i started on my own so i had to do it by myself number one which is not something that i recommend to anybody looking to get into this get started with their own tiny house find a general contractor who is licensed that knows this process that's their job to do it for you that should have been my first red flag, the fact that they were not doing it for me. And that's why I was experiencing so many issues in the first place, because they should know who to call at the places to just get to get the, to get it done. Number one, have a general contractor who is licensed, who can assist you with that. And then number two, have your ducks in a row. For some people, you will not have to get like there are certain permits you won't have to get. So for me, I started out and I was submitting like, OK, because I wanted to connect the water to the main house and the electric to the main house because again decreasing expenses i didn't want the tiny house to have any expenses because my whole point with moving into the house was so that i didn't have any living expense um so at that point i'm like okay i want to connect everything and because of that or depending on how you want your tiny house set up the type of structure you get that is going to determine the type of permits you need to get so even furthermore with tiny houses a lot of people don't realize that like a tiny house is different from a mobile home that's different than like an accessory dwelling unit yeah. all of those are very different so like a tiny house is like okay and then even furthermore like a guest house or like something like that a tiny house can be seen as like a guest house however it's on that structure for the most part it's probably like not on wheels the moment that you put it on wheels now we're getting into mobile homes right the moment that you put it on wheels it completely changes the game it's no longer even like a piece of property for like it's your property. But being that it's on, it's similar to the property you have with your car. It's going to depreciate now rather than with your property to where typically people are like, OK, the property value is going to increase. That's the differentiating factor. Um, and then even furthermore, like you can get started via a like I did a shed, converting it to a house. But I initially do a shipping container. Have you all ever heard about seen those? Yeah, like yeah we did a whole shipping. episode on that. <laughs> perfect, perfect, exactly. So the, the, the tiny house shipping containers, I initially wanted to do that, and the only reason I did not, because that would have been a much cheaper route, Um, or I would say a little bit cheaper route, but maybe not much cheaper. Either way, a tiny house, like a shipping container, yeah. is all of maybe like $2,000. Yeah. That shed that I purchased, like the shed, even though it came with a porch, it came with all the windows, it came with the doors, it came ready for electric hat lighting capable already. Um, I paid almost $10,000 for that. So yeah. it was like a, a house structure and it was good because it's like once you add in all the windows, carving out a shipping container and all that, you might come up to a size, but I still saved some money 
by going the shipping container route. And I didn't go the shipping container route, long story short, because of it just couldn't fit. And see, I really wanted to get into this whole part of the conversation because uh, it's this is what's going to make it practical for a lot of people because certain things won't be practical just based off of what the city's going to say. Because the city in a lot of these jurisdictions is good luck. But the good thing is, like, especially if, because I, I know a lot of people like listening in Los Angeles, San Francisco, those kind of cities, they have a lot harder time getting into real estate in general um, mm -hmm. or house hacking in general, trying to buy a multi-unit or whatever. So this is a great way to get into it because those kind of cities where there's really high densities, they are they, they have high housing shortages. So they are encouraging these kind of things in terms of ADUs, um, shipping container homes, um, tiny homes. They're encouraging these kind of things out there, especially in California, just because of that fact that they want to make sure affordable housing is, you know, a thing. Because if if there's a shorting, if there's a housing shortage, that means rents are just going up and up and up, which is what we're seeing out there. And now, exactly, that is what's so, happening now. Yeah. So 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 this is a, a great a great way to um to go about it. And I think the shipping container thing could be a great route for. We did a whole episode on shipping containers with a. Uh, our, our homeboy, uh, Cameron Jackson, shout out to him. He's doing uh, shipping container restaurants out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and he's mm -hmm. killing it out there. He's up already oh. doing his second one. So y'all should go check out that episode. Definitely. If you want to listen more about, you know, doing stuff with shipping containers. But I think um, just this whole concept of, you know, uh, utilizing the extra space, just it, it's so crazy, especially, you know, you you even talking about the fact that you don't even have to separately meter the uh the uh adu or the 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 um the the tiny house because you know it's, it's not technically a property uh yeah. or it's not technically well i guess is it okay so in the when it comes to and this i guess is just a nuance but when it comes to the concept of real estate obviously you have real property and then you have property right and so you mentioned like property it was like um, if you have wills that becomes property right but if you have if, if it's real estate is the land and then the structure attached to um the the land right so your your land and then your home is considered real estate that's what appreciates in value so mm -hmm. when it comes to a tiny house does the the does how much does that actually increase the value of the property and does it actually does that does that does it does it help the property appreciate and is it considered real estate i guess it, yeah so it definitely helps the, it definitely helps the property appreciate number one and then number two it is certainly considered real it is now a part of your main home for the most part, like it's a part of that property that you have, that whole property. <laughs> so add to the square footage and everything, right? Exactly, exactly. So then, so then, when you talk about like, okay, appreciating with value, that number one is going to depend on like, yes, it's going to appreciate, or depending on your area is going to appreciate, but it also depends on like how are you structuring this unit, like how are you setting it up. Like, if you look at, you can go on my YouTube channel. I do a tour of the tiny house. I show you all of the tech in the tiny house. People who stayed in it, like they're very, they're very pleasantly surprised. Um, so I, I wanted it to be a renovated space. Yeah. It looks updated and it's renovated. Um, so at that point, it does become a like it's attached to the property now. So as my the value of the property goes up, this is it's like think about like when you add when you've seen people add a bedroom to their house. Yeah. Or add square footage. Exactly. It's, it's adding square footage. That's what it is. So then at that point, yeah, now you have more square footage to work with. So in the instance that I ever decide to sell my property, like my main property, that tiny house is like it, it stays there again. It's not a mobile home. There's no wheels on it. It has to stay there. So that's going to be a part of that deal. Yeah, man, I absolutely love this because it, it just it gives you so many more options for cash flow, too. Because I'm, I'm just thinking, too, just in because on two of my property, one of my properties has like a back garage apartment and then the other one has the garage apartment. But mm -hmm. I have this huge backyard with a corner. It's a corner lot. And that'd be perfect to add a, a, a tiny house right there. And that's an easy oh. another $800 a month cash flow. We listed the tiny house on Airbnb um the middle of March. Um, so April, I believe it did right about like 16, 1700. And then right now for May. We're what the twenty first, and it's not even like I still got a few days that can be that will be booked because they be booking it out. Um, that will be booked, and we're already at. Like, I checked yesterday because I was speaking to somebody about it. We're at about twenty three, twenty four hundred for this month. Sheesh! Oh, that's a fact. Then, that's again, again, no bills. Yeah, that's and the front house already rented out. 
She's like, yeah. But no, um, I, what I want to go into, you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but um, you said it was like 10000 just to, like, was that to get the tiny house audit? Is that, was that all the expenses or was there more expenses that were associated? Definitely, definitely, definitely. So the 10000 that I spent was just the structure. That was the shell, right? Mm -hmm. So like I said, it, it came, the external, what you see on the outside, that's what you saw because the inside was all like wood. It was un. So when it came and it was delivered to me, it was unfinished. So I purchased that shell for 10000 Then um, I had to get a concrete slab like to get it placed on because it can't just sink into the ground. Get a concrete slab to place it on. That was right about $2,500. Um, and wait, then from there, wait. actually, yeah, you'd be surprised by how much concrete costs. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, uh, trust me. We know. <laughs> yes, it gets hot. Come on. <laughs> My God. Um, but yes. So the shell that I purchased is a 12 foot by 24 foot structure. Um, so it is a pretty decent space. It is a lofted barn style shed. Um, so rather than like, well, it's typically how you see a tiny house anyway. The bed is on a loft. The bed is a loft and you have to like go up a ladder to get to the loft. And that's where it is. And then everything else, the area, the kitchen. And it has a, um, I, I, I said a full bathroom and, and, and some some person on YouTube corrected me. It's a three-fourths bathroom, excuse me. Um, not a bathtub, but it has a shower, the toilet, and the sink as well. Um, so I purchased that shed, like the, the shell for concrete slab for um, $2,500. And then from there, initially, the first contractors I had, they were like, yeah, we can finish go on the inside and do all these customizations, add some storage in, boom, boom, boom. Like they were saying yes to everything. That is your first like alert. Like you, you can do all of it, everything, <laughs> really. Think back like, damn, P, what the hell? Nonetheless, <laughs> they were initially doing all of that for I think right about like 11,000. So then my initial budget was like 25, 26. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I paid 10. For the shell, two five for the um the concrete. the concrete. And then at that point they had quoted me like another 10, 11 for you know the other stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna spend around about 25, 26. That wasn't bad. To me, that wasn't bad. I'm like, okay. Once I got into it, um I understand like those first contractors, they were painting before they sanded the walls. It was terrible. It was terrible, terrible, terrible. So literally they like had put that, I had bought all the material, had bought all the material, you gotta understand because this is an important piece in just the numbers, right? I had bought all of the material um, and they were getting paid out and I was paying them in like draws. I was paying them in draws, but I wasn't necessarily, I wouldn't say that I was paying them like for work completed. And that's what you should be doing. You need to pay for work completed. Yeah. No matter like in draws. I was just paying them in draws and it's like, okay, well, this draw happens here, this draw happens here, but y'all like a week behind on the work that y'all supposed to be doing. So that's where that that's what happened with that. I didn't like I still owed them by the time I fired them, I still owed them probably like two, maybe three thousand. But I didn't like I paid them a lot of money. I had paid a lot of it already. They stopped responding. Like after I fired them, like I told them get out, they stopped responding. Um, I then tried to like turn into a legal case and they were not like accepting the, when well, you got to be served. It was, it was crazy. It turned into a bunch of, stuff. either way I got the new contractors in the new contractors then had to demo the whole bathroom because again, like the, the, the tile was not flush, all of the plumbing behind the walls. Like if I took one shower in that house, the first contractors completed it, that house probably would have like rolled on the street or something when it rained. It was like, it, it was not good. It was not good at all. Second contractors came in. They um they redid the which was good, but he was overcharging me for a grip. But you got to understand the position I was in. We were already behind schedule. It's now the end of December, and we still don't have this house finished. So I'm like, I just need it finished. If you can get in here and you can finish it, tell me the price. It's decent. I think he quoted me, like, right about, like, ate something to redo it i'm like okay whatever okay like sure whatever and y'all gotta understand like even though i'm throwing these numbers around i don't have money like this i'm 25 ask, you know i'm gonna ask that because I'm, I'm pretty much waiting like how did how does all this get financed like yeah, how do you pay because okay, yeah, i know a lot yeah. of listeners are wondering the same thing yeah, yeah and i'm gonna I'm count your pockets a little bit too after, after. <laughs> I just try to. I try to get. I, so far, I'm at 
About 31 after you said the eight. So we exactly. had 31. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so then at that point, um, what ended up happening with the second set of contractors. So obviously, like this man was very obviously attracted to me. Like very obviously. I'm like, like okay, you like, oh, you talking like you? physical, like we talking attraction. Yeah, like, like I said, we talked like wreck, like yeah, like he would, like he was trying, like literally, like he would. I'm like, okay, I'll pay you here, and then like I leave from paying him. It's like six thirty, seven o'clock. He's like, are you are you going home with your boyfriend? <laughs> yeah. Hey, my man had to shoot his shot. He said, I'm shooting it at work. <laughs> Don't be mad at him. Look. So nonetheless, 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 um, that that happened. So then. Uh, it got to a point where it's just like, okay, I'm not interested, but finish the house. So then I had one of my homies. One of my homies, um, he's out here, and he actually in the mobile home game. I will shout him out. Amaya Ingram, y'all might, might know him. You might have seen him. He Either way, he's like mobile home trapper on, on Twitter, that, like LLC Twitter. Nonetheless, he came out to the property, um, which is crazy because I remember when I bought my first house, he came out to the property too, and he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So he came out to the tiny house. He was like, how much he charging you? Oh, no. No. And was like, and, and it makes sense to me because I'm like, well, I thought he I thought he liked me. Like, you can't be overcharging me if you like. Like, how you want a date and you and you overcharging me? So I'm going to take you out. I'm going to take you out with <laughs> your money. Take, take me out with my money. <laughs> my end up swinging by the tiny house when um he was doing some work there i'm like okay i'm gonna bring him blah blah either way again remembering god dude liked me so Amaya's there and he's just like i'm just talking with dude i'm like yeah so you know like how much this gonna be okay cool you said like how much the material is we kind of double checking numbers so Amaya's just like you know how much you use like are you usually doing things like this how much you typically charge asking questions I guess dude was starting to feel disrespected. Like, why you got him in here? He literally said, he's like, you got you, you got your boy in here asking me questions and shit. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> that's not what this is. Like, that's not even what this is. This ain't me. This is just my homie. <laughs> Nonetheless, he got mad. They ended up actually getting into it. Um, all in, all in, I was 36 after I had recouped my, I recouped uh, like six or 7,000 back from those first contractors. So thirty six. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And, and so, so let's do let's do some quick maths real quick. What what do you what do you what do you estimate cash flow every month to be just tiny? Yeah, just based off of like obviously Airbnb is seasonal. So what what would you say like is a conservative estimate monthly? I would say at least twenty five. Twenty five hundred. Cash flow. Again, understanding that I pay clean. So once you go into cleanings, like, because I'm only paying for cleanings at this point. Like, it's cleanings and then it may be, like, tissue and all of that. That ain't much. It's the tiny house. So yeah. I would take away maybe 500 from that. I'm cash one at least 2000 Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's here. Because with summer months, like, we're only May. June, July, and August are going to go crazy. Shoot. So oh, you yeah. you sitting at a sixty seven percent ROI and uh, every 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 year off the off the tiny house, which is <laughs> look you uh, you not getting those kind of deals right now in 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 the in the, in the other real estate market. You get that in the in, in you know you got to be creative. That's what I'm trying to say, and that's exactly. the essence of what this whole show has been about. Um, is just being creative to you know get into real estate investing. So I I absolutely loved it. I'm like, well, so what is your end goal like from, from moving from here? Are you going to do the same thing all over again? Is this going to be like something that you do uh, more frequently? Are you looking to get into like larger scale real estate? Like what, what's the next goal for you? Absolutely. So number one. Wait, did, hold on. Did he ever get a date though? No. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> How are you going to try to take me on a date with my money? Poor guy. Poor guy. Absolutely. If I do overcharge, then you're going to be saying poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> Go ahead. Like, this could have really been some. He wasn't. He wasn't bad looking, but dang. Like, <laughs> so, so since the traction from the tiny house has picked up, I've actually been having a lot of conversation with a ton of people around, like everywhere. Like, I I had a conversation about like two weeks ago with a black woman out, and she, I think she's like, she said she's like forty five minutes west of L A. or something. I don't know. Has some land. She's in the process of putting houses on that land as a way for like affordable housing people within that area like LA and all of that 
I spoke to a woman out in Alabama. She had 32 acres of land. 32 mm. acres of land that her family's sitting on. She's like, yep, and we're right in the college town, too. What I'm thinking is we're going to use it for college students and housing. So it's, it's really up. So my next move is honestly, like, I don't know whether or not I want to continue scaling with the tiny house piece just yet. And I am also just like coaching. Um, like my, that's where my passion lies. Like making money is cool, but I like showing teaching people how to, how to get it sales as well. That's really where like I thrive. Um, so showing other people how to get it and just coaching and teaching them has been absolutely amazing. I'm starting and continuing to do that. And it's because it's also a really good, I guess, overlap with what I was doing a few years ago with branding, because I'm teaching them the business behind all of this, like the business behind the numbers. And I really think that's the differentiated aspect between, I guess, this and and what a lot of people are trying to do right now with Airbnb, because it's the same craze that happened with wholesaling. Like they're like, get in on this, make money without putting in up, up no money, passive income in their business. And it's like not necessarily like that's not necessarily true. Like. You might need a little bit of money. And even furthermore, it's like, this ain't passive. I put a lot of work into this. And even furthermore, if you want it to actually bring you in good money, I tell people all the time, you treat it like a side hustle, it's going to bring side hustle money. Total, like I said, I fully started Airbnb in that house in December 2019. Now we're about a year and a half in. I am nearing now like that 100K mark um, with understand i just got the second house july this past july and the tiny house just finished in march so most of that is one house and i i think now i mean obviously even if you decide to go with the tiny homes or whatever now the first one is always a learning experience like that was something yeah. new to you like you talking about it took you 10 months the next one should be obviously significantly less exponentially less um and that just means your margins are going to be better that means everything's going to be better. Um, so, you know, regardless of what you want to do, I'm sure it will go well. And the good thing is, I mean, you're coaching people now, too, based off of your experiences, too. So other people are going to learn based off of your mistakes, which is essentially what coaching is. That's what is never, you know, people hear coaching, all that kind of stuff, and they be so apprehensive about paying, you know, thousands of dollars for someone. No, you're not paying for them. You're, you're, you're not just paying to pay. You're paying for their mistakes, the exactly. mistakes that you're not going to have to make it. Get, get a contract <laughs> hidden on you. <laughs> both after uh, overcharging you too that's dope that's dope um so we're gonna get into the last segment of the show real quick real quick though i want to where can people go like find that you know whole um, docuseries yeah docuseries yeah the docuseries is on youtube you can find it um just on youtube you can find my channel just precious price you can google me if you just google me my youtube channel will pop up and everything else will pop up as well um we're gonna get into the last segment and then we're gonna wrap up the show this has definitely been a uh, good show um, so this is the last segment of the show. We call it the fast five. This is where you answer five questions in 10 seconds or less. We're going to alternate and, uh, we're going to get into it. So I'll take the first one and then we'll take the next one. First question. What does success mean to you? What does success mean to me? I mean, success means freedom, honestly, freedom to do whatever you want, freedom with your time, freedom with your money, like freedom with who you are spending your time with all of that. Just freedom. That's it. Uh, question number two what's your favorite money or business book money or business book um i would say atomic habits and i wouldn't even say atomic habits it, it's more of mindset but it, it helped me greatly with my money as well i love the mindset books i'm about to, I'm about to add that in there <laughs> cool cool would, would you rather have a thousand dollars a week for life or a million dollars today and why I would say I would say a thousand dollars a week um, because I can turn that thousand dollars into a million dollars right now, and then I get another thousand next week. The same thing. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Uh, question number four: If you could go back and change anything about your journey, what would it be? Nothing. Everything was a lesson. Nothing was nothing was a loss. Everything was a lesson. Love it. Take no L's. That's right. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, where can people find out more about you? Um, you can find me just like every, I have a lot of internet real estate is what I like to say. So you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Insta. You can find me on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, um, everywhere. My website is www.preciouscprice.com. If you are looking for more information on Airbnb money, that's just www.preciouscprice.com slash Airbnb money. Um, but I'm everywhere on all platforms. It's Precious Price, Precious C Price. You should be able to find me because I 
do a lot to make sure my SEO is top notch. <laughs> SEO ain't no joke. Appreciate you coming on here. Thank y'all for having me. I appreciate it. It's been a very fruitful conversation to say the least. That's it for this episode of the Money Monopolizers podcast. New episodes will be released every Thursday and will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Just search Money Monopolizers wherever you listen to podcasts. <clears throat> we hope you learned something of value today. And if you did, we'd appreciate it if you rated us five stars and left us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find out more info about us on Twitter at the Monopolizer on IG at Money Monopolizers. We post informative content on there that'll keep you engaged. So be sure to check that out and share those posts. But until then, we're out of here. You've been listening to the Money Monopolizers podcast, helping you take control of your financial destiny. To learn more about how you can be in control of your money, visit MoneyMonopolizers.com. We'll catch you next time when Alex and Marlon share more personal finance and wealth creation tips. Now it's time to take action.